1 Samuel 18, verse 1 to 5. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as, he, as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him and his, as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also the sight of and also in the sight of Saul's servant. First Samuel twenty from verse one. Then David fled from Naoth in Ramah and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity and what is my sin before your father, that he seeks my life? So Jonathan said to him, By no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, either great or small, without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Then David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord, uh, the Lord lives, as, you, as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. So Jonathan said to David, Whatever your, you yourself desire, I will do it for you. And David said to Jonathan, Indeed, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go, that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem, his city. For there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he says thus, it is well, your servant will be saved. But it is ve- but if he is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? But Jonathan said, far be it from you. For if I knew suddenly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you? Then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me? Or what if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan, Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field. So both of them went out into the field. Then Jonathan said to David, The Lord God of Israel is witness. When I have sounded out my father sometime tomorrow or the third day, and indeed there is good toward David. And I do not send to you and tell you. May the Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you and send you away. Then you may go in safety. And And the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die. But you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. Now Jonathan again caused David to vow, because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, the new moon. And you will be missed because your seat will be empty. And when you have stayed three days, go down quickly and come to the place where you where you hide on the day of this deed and remain by the stone of Ezel. 
Then I will shoot three arrows to the side as though I shot at the target. And there I will send a lad saying, go find the arrows. If I expressly say to the lad, look, the arrows are on the side of you, get them and come. Then as the Lord lives, there is safety for you and no harm. 1 Samuel 20 verse 22. But if I say thus to the young man, look, the arrows are beyond you, go your way for the Lord has sent you away. And as for the matter which you and I have spoken of, indeed the Lord be between you and me forever. Then David hid in the field, and when the new moon had come to the king, sat down. The king sat down to eat the feast. Now the king sat on his seat as at, the, as at other times on a seat by the wall, and Jonathan arose, and Abner sat by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought, Something has happened to him. He is unclean. Surely he is unclean. And it happened and it happened the next day, the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan his son, Why has the son of Jesse not come to eat, either yesterday or today? So Jonathan answered Saul, David and David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, Please let me go, for our family has a sacrifice in the city. And my brother has commanded me to be there. And now if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me get, get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan, and he said to him, You, you son of a, perver a perverse, rebel, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered, answered Saul his father and said to him, Why should he be killed? What has he done? Then Saul cast a spear at, at him to kill him, by which Jonathan knew that he was determined by his father to kill David. So jo Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food in the second day of the month. He was grieved by David because his father had treated him so shamefully. And so it was in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David, and a little lad was with him. Then he said to his lad, Now run, find the arrows which I shoot. As the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the lad came, had, came, had come to the place where the, arrows, where the arrow was which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond you? And Jonathan cried out, after the lad, make haste, hurry, do not delay. So Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came back to his master. But the lad did not know anything. Only Jonathan and David knew of the matter. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to his lad and said to him, go carry them to the sea. As soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south, fell on his face to the ground and bowed down three times. And they kissed one another and they wept together, but David more so. Then Jonathan said to David, go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, may the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. Thanks, guys. Um, what we've seen in the palace, the behavior of David, seen his faithfulness, his, his obedience, the way that he behaved himself before the king. And before Jonathan, and the passage that we're looking at this afternoon is this 
friendship between David and Jonathan, really one of the most beautiful friendships in Scripture. You see some of the verses written about these two men, what, um, well, what wonderful words are written about them. I think the, the things that we want to cover today about these two men, let's look at um, the positives, and I think there's a lot of positives. Um, there's a lot of um, wonderful things that we can get out of this. Um, but also the shortcomings of their friendship. And hopefully we can draw out some practical things uh, as we go through the verses together. So just at the start, where we started reading chapter 18, this is straight after the victory over Goliath. So David's come in. um, Firstly, he's declared that he wants to go and fight Goliath. He's... He's spoken of his his trust in Jehovah, that Jehovah will deliver this uncircumcised Philistine into his hand, and he's gone out, he's killed Goliath, and even at that point Saul didn't know who he was. He says to Abner, who is this boy? And Abner says, oh, as your soul lives, O king, I don't know who he is. And they find out, David comes and he says, I'm, the son of your servant, Jesse. Immediately after that, when David stopped speaking, it says that Jonathan's soul was knit to the soul of David. Jonathan must have seen something in him, and I can't help but think that a few chapters earlier, Jonathan himself, his own zeal for the Lord and for the people of the Lord, you know, he says to his servant, he says, come, let's let's." go up and attack this garrison of the Philistines. Here was the Philistines, the same enemy, and we'd seen David's courage, David's faithfulness towards God, um, taking on the Philistine on his own, and Jonathan's seen that. There's something there. There's a, um, there's a similarity there. There's, there's something that's knit, knitted their souls together. What, what beautiful words. They had a connection. Their connection was... A love for the Lord and for his people, faithfulness for the Lord and for his people. And Jonathan's a different man to Saul. He's a totally different man. And that's the start of really their friendship together. Jonathan sees David's behavior with regard to the Philistine and this victory over Goliath is really the catalyst that begins their friendship. When you look at this verse uh, one, or these first, first five verses here in chapter 18, you could ask, um, where's David's love? Right? It says, Jonathan loved David, but where's David's love? So is there really, is it a one-side love or is it something that they love each other? And um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of the scripture. Sometimes you need other scriptures to explain or to see the other side. And when we look to, to uh, Second Samuel chapter 1, and we see when, when Jonathan was dead, right? We see how precious uh, Jonathan was for David because he, he has uh, him there in, in Second uh, Samuel chapter 1, verse 26. It says um, there, 
I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan, very pleasant was thou unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing woman's love. Now there we see how they love each other, right? And it is even expressed in their deeds. And this is so great. Love is not just only something that we speak about, that we, um, yeah, that we express in words. No, I think it is John, first John 3, right? That we should love. Um, by uh, not only with words, but also in deeds. And how is it expressed here? We see that Jonathan, he was willing to give that what was very important for a prince and for a, a, a warrior, so to say, in this time, right? He, he gave his rope and he gave his uh, sword and, oh, what is it again? 18. So he gave his his robe, and then he gave his dress, his shirt, and his bow, and his girdle. So everything, his whole weapons, his whole armor was given to 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 David. This expressed that he was willing to give almost everything. I say almost because later on we see something different, but almost everything to David, and this is great. So how is David's love expressed? Did we read anything in these verses here? Not really. But at the end of chapter 20, we find something. In uh, chapter 20, verse 41, it says when they uh, said goodbye to each other, so to say, that they wept one with each other at the end until David exceeded. So David's feelings seems to be more than Jonathan's feelings. And this is great because David is a picture of the Lord Jesus, right? He loves us more than we can love him. And um, when we look into Second Samuel again, we see that his love was even expressed when Jonathan was still dead, dead with, with, the, um, with the caring of Mephibosheth, right? So there he expressed his love towards Jonathan even then when, he, and when they were dead. Well, that's a great love, right? So one is caring for the other. One is giving up whatever he possesses. No, not whatever. So almost uh, so a lot of things he possesses, he was willing to give up, uh, especially in connection with his personal things, his personal character. I think there are three things that mark the friendship of Jonathan and David and that we can see in chapter 20. So Manuel has already told us of their love one to another. And the second thing that um, we can see is in verse 9 of chapter 20. It says, And Jonathan said, Far be it from thee, for if I knew certainly that evil were determined by my father to come upon thee, would not I tell it to thee? So here we get an example of how they were faithful to one another. Um, there was trust between them. And Jonathan came through with this promise um, when he went and warned him that his father did indeed seek to kill him. And the third thing that um, was marked, that marked his friendship was humility. Um, and we see this in verse 41. Um, so it says that David arose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. He shows that um, even though that he is the anointed king, he bowed down to his friend and showed humility to him. Um, and there is also a gesture from um, 
Jonathan that is returned in chapter 23, verse 17. And um, when Jonathan said to David, fear not for the hand of my, for the hand of Saul, my father shall not find thee. And thou shalt be king over Israel and I shall be next unto thee. And that also Saul, my father knoweth. So he says to him, um, he knows that he will be king and he accepts this with humility, even though that he is the son of the current king. Um, and then I think these three things are what should characterize our friendships one with another as believers, love, faithfulness, and humility. I think it's very important that we see there that um, Jonathan reciprocated that humility. It was, it was a two-way street. Um, Jonathan would bow, would bow down to him. And he also reciprocated the other things. Jonathan would love him and Jonathan would be loyal to David as well. All of this at the expense, or at his own expense. Jonathan was the son of the king. Jonathan was the natural successor to the throne. He was the heir. And Jonathan loving David and defending David in front of his father and helping out David means that Jonathan accepted that he was not going to be king. That this man, his friend, his best friend, was God's anointed, the Lord's chosen. And um, it's very important. And those three things, Romans, that you said I really like because they they form, you know, they, they 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 form the basis of the friendship. But underlying all that is the very first thing that Jonathan saw in uh, David. He saw his faith in God. Um, people might say, oh, Jonathan only, uh, only befriended David after the battle because he saw that he was a strong and valiant man. Um, but if that was the case, uh, Saul also would have would have befriended him, and he did. But Saul Saul had his own selfish reasons. Some might say that Jonathan only befriended David um, because he saved the Israelites, and therefore also saved uh, Saul, their king, and also saved the king's son. Um, because if the Philistines had uh, had been victorious, the first thing they would have done is killed the king and his sons. But that's not the case. Jonathan saw David's courage, and he knew where that came from. He knew that that stemmed from a faith and trust in his God. And based on that single criteria, he said, this is a man that I can befriend. This is a man um, with whom I can have true friendship. And all those other things Jonathan noticed and Jonathan did himself. And they just proved to Jonathan that he was right in making this decision. And it's a wonderful progression to follow. That's really important. Um, The basis for our friendships. What's the basis by which we befriend somebody? What, what are the motives? What are the reasons? Is it because they're somebody cool, somebody who's popular, somebody who we think if we hang around with this person, maybe we'll be popular too? Um, or is it a basis like what Jonathan and, and David had? Faithfulness to God, love for the Lord, love for his people. That's true friendship. Um, and uh, a friendship that's really beautiful. I don't know if anybody's thought about the age difference between Jonathan and David. Um, it was uh, it was brought to my attention a few years ago by um, George Bichet from Sydney. I'd never thought about it before, but Jonathan would have been much older than David. You know, I'd always imagined them as friends of the same age, but they weren't. Um, the the way we know this is in. In 1 Samuel 13, when Saul begins to reign in his second year of reign, um, Jonathan is given a thousand men and he's the, he's the captain over a thousand men. So when, when Saul began to reign, Jonathan would have been 
he would have been a young man, but old enough to lead a thousand men. So you'd think he'd be 18 to 20 years old. If he was following the, the law in the Old Testament, he would have been 20 years old. He wouldn't have gone out to war until he was 20. So if we say he was 20 years old at the start of Saul's reign, um, David becomes king at the age of 30 um, in Hebron. He's 30 years old when he becomes king, and that's after the death of Saul and Jonathan. And Saul reigned for 40 years. We learn that in, verse, uh, in Acts 13. So if you've got a 20-year-old um, at the beginning of Saul's reign, that's Jonathan's 20 years old, Saul reigns for 40 years. That makes um, Jonathan close to 60, 58, 57, 58, 59, 60, something like that. And there's David at that age um, where he started to reign 30. So look at the age difference between these guys. These are not friends in high school together. They're not in the same class. These are two who have been connected not by age and similarity. They, they're connected by their love for the Lord, by their faithfulness for the Lord. That's, that's something that really marks believers' friendships. Don't, don't you get that in a meeting? Um, we're not... We're not just friends because uh, we're the same age, but we have we have friends that are grandparents. We have friends that are little children. We have friends that, um, and why do we have this friendship? Why do we have this connection? And I'd like to say between David and Jonathan, it's the spirit of God. And it's the same for us. It's the spirit of God. He's united us. He's, he's brought us into these wonderful relationships that we're in. Um David and Jonathan were not like Rehoboam, David's grandson, Solomon's son. Rehoboam, he wanted to listen to his friends, his mates who were his same age. Um, he didn't, he ignored the wisdom of those who were older, but, um, you know, he didn't take the lesson from his grandfather, David. David and Jonathan, friendship based on things that matter, things that are true. Another point that is remarkable in that friendship is that they stand up for each other. We saw that in chapter 19 where um, Jonathan is speaking to Saul. What has he done? Why do you want to uh, kill him? He hasn't done anything wrong against you. So he, he just uh, was active for his friend, right? He wanted to, to defend him somehow. And um, this is something very beautiful that... That, that, that friends can do, right? But how do we defend each other, so to say? What is the best way that, that we can do for each other? It's praying, right? Our, our defending is when we pray to uh, and bring the things to the throne of grace because there we can find help. Jonathan, he didn't find any help with Saul, right? And we, we see that this friendship has even a little lack of praying together. This is something that is lacking here in these uh, chapters uh, that we read. So maybe that's something that can encourage us. A good friendship is always a, a friendship of prayer as well. Those who pray together stay together. And uh, we just uh, like to encourage. Um, when I was younger, I didn't have much uh, praying friends with, right? But 
As soon as I get a little bit older, that means in the 20s, I got two other friends uh, with whom I prayed a lot together. And this was so blessed. I just can encourage you to do that, right? It's not because I did that. Don't forget that. I forget that. But just because it's a blessed thing to pray together and to, because that brings you together, you understand more of the other person, how she thinks and how she speaks with the Lord. And then you can encourage and can help and you can pray and you, you, in this way, you fight together, right? And this uh, keeps you together for a very long time. So just an encouragement, not only to stand up for your friend in, in regards to man, but pray together, fight for your friend in, uh, in prayer, because that, uh, that will please the Lord, and the Lord will certainly bless that. Yeah, he stood up to David, or for David, to his father, Saul, no less, and he would have known his father's temperament very well. Um, and so maybe he even may have seen that spear coming. Um, but they, they were both humble, like Ramos was saying. They both denied self. They both looked at the other person and thought, what can I do to, for this person? Not looking for friends and thinking, what can I get out of this person? Like you're saying, Mike, oh, this person is cool. Maybe if I hang out with them, I will be cool. It's not what I can get. It's more so that what I can do for them. And we read in Proverbs um, chapter 18. If we turn there to Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24. We read, a man who has friends must himself be friendly but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And then onto the New Testament in Philippians chapter two, we have similar thoughts. And we've got thoughts about this friend who, who sticks closer than a brother. Philippians chapter two, in verse three, we read, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look, not, uh, look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And the apostle doesn't just leave it there. He goes on to say, he goes on to give the perfect example of humility. He says, let this mind, let this mind of humility be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we know the following verses very well. That is the perfect example of humility. Self-denial. Though I am anointed king, I am bowing down in front of my friend. Though I am the heir of the king, I am still defending the Lord's, the Lord's anointed. And here we see the Lord Jesus uh, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But despite this, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. And that is a perfect example to follow. There's there's a, um, a parody of an old cliche, which actually works very well spiritually. I won't say the old cliche because you'll know it when I say the parody. The parody is this. You can choose your relatives, but you can't choose your friends. Now, you know what the old cliche was. But the parody, um, it's actually not so humorous when you think about it spiritually. We have no, no title to think about choosing our friends, yet sadly we do that, and, and especially... Um, when we're younger, we try and do that. And that Mike mentioned Rehoboam, and he he made his own selfish choice and suffered the consequences from that. There wasn't really a matter of choice here with David and Jonathan. They discovered immediately that they had exactly the same interests at heart. 
And that's what bound them together because they had the same interests at heart. It wasn't because one was trying to be cool like the other or um, thought that if he hung out with the other, then he'd be like him and that'll all be good. No, none of that. Um, They were friends because they were like each other spiritually. And there was no choice in that. But now we have to come to the sad side with Jonathan. Um, I suspect some of the brothers have just refrained from saying another old cliche, and that is that Jonathan gave David everything except his shoes. Jonathan was not willing to go where David went. He stayed back and he did choose his relatives. He didn't do what the Lord Jesus said and, so to speak, hate father and mother. Um, He made a choice to remain with his father, even though he knew his father was completely in the wrong. He didn't willingly go with David into the place of rejection. He didn't go with him into the place where he was being chased by Saul. There was the failing with Jonathan. He failed, so to speak, to choose his relatives. And sometimes we we do have to make a choice like that spiritually. Even our relatives can be those who hold us back. It was certainly the case with Abraham. He, um, He was told to leave his father's house as well as his country, as well as his culture. Um, But he left his father's house by taking his father's house with him. And um, he didn't really make any good forward movements until his father died. So we have to be careful. Um, Don't think that we have a title to choose our friends. Um, Leave that to God. And we find a heart-to-heart friendship with those who are like us spiritually. But then... We do have an obligation to think about our relatives and the place that they hold in our lives, in our spiritual lives, and what kind of influences they might have upon us. It seems to be as well that to to some extent that familial relationship blinded Jonathan's eyes to the reality of what his father thought and would do because we, we had in the last chapter that the spear had already been thrown at David and he tried to, to pin David against the wall. Jonathan must have known about this. They were, they were good friends. Surely David and Jonathan would have shared this information. But Jonathan tries to convince David that there's no way my father will try to kill you. And he says, surely he'll tell me. He was confident in his relationship with his father um, to an extent that caused him to to stumble in in making the right decision. I guess we get a lesson in Jonathan about really what's in us, what um, our natural leanings are. We have trust in ourselves, in our own relationships. No, that's okay. I'm not like other people. This is not going to lead me astray. I I know what I'm doing. I can handle this. Um, but that's that's not the wise thing to do. Or our, um, you know, the what Pete's just said. Our our eyes are blinded from that which is right in front of us. The things that are closest to us are often the things that um, we are most unaware of the dangers. Um, think about somebody like 
Barnabas, what a, what a wonderful example Barnabas is. Uh, in the end, he was separated from Paul. You think under circumstances that shouldn't have happened, um, but he, he took Mark, his cousin, and they, they sailed off. And we never hear about them again. And we want to be careful about this, but we learn from Jonathan what's inside us. We learn that we need to be careful. We need to be vigilant about our choices and not to, not to make fleshly ties something more important than um, obedience to the Lord and spiritual ties and faithfulness to the Lord. That's number one. I don't know why, but I also relate uh, Jonathan not only to Barnabas but to John the Baptist. Um, but I, yeah, that's sort of how I, I think there's this one point of weakness in the two um, that we find. We find in John the Baptist there's this moment of doubt, you know, is this the one or not? And in Jonathan we, we find this, this one weakness where would we say that he didn't love David while he, while he chose Saul? No, we wouldn't say that. He loved David. Uh, when, you know, Ram has reminded us of that verse, when he went out into the woods and strengthened David, when David was fleeing, he still loved David. But there was this one point of weakness that he just didn't let go of. But how does the Lord speak about John the Baptist after his death? The Lord says, who did you come out to see? Was it... Um, a reed blown by the wind? No, this was a prophet and greater than a, than a prophet, the greatest of those born of a woman. And how did David speak about Jonathan after his death? Same thing. And Manuel's reminded us of that in First Samuel and Second Samuel chapter one. David spoke of him about his his faithfulness, his kindness, his goodness. Um, what was truly in him? So from Jonathan, we learn really what's in ourselves, but also we learn about the faithfulness of the Lord if we relate him to John the Baptist and how the Lord spoke about John the Baptist and if we think about how David spoke of Jonathan after his death. I like the Lord's compensation. He saw that David was someone who was rejected by his parents, by Eliab, by everyone. And that's why he compensated by giving Jonathan, who is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's the reason why in chapter 18, when, sorry, in chapter 20, when he was leaving, it says that they kissed one another and they wept until David exceeded. David couldn't believe himself that the one person who was close to him, the one person who should have been by his side in this difficult time, is about to leave him. He was hurt that the person who, that this person chose to live in the palace rather than to be afflicted with David, bearing his reproach in the caves. But then if we go further to the next time they meet each other in chapter 23, we read that they met each other and they strengthened, Jonathan strengthened David, but we don't read of weeping. It's as if David realized that, don't put your eyes on man sees ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils. He realized that only put your eyes on the Lord. And that's the same that happened with Paul. 
Paul says at my first defense, no man stood with me, but all deserted me. Wow, Paul, you're alone now. No one's with you. But he says, but the Lord stood with me and gave me power. If you put your eyes on man, even if it's your best friend, you will be disappointed. But put your eye on the Lord, who is the one who never changes. And yeah, uh, David grew up and feeling neglected and he was deprived of love, like you said, Shady. And then he must have been longing for, for human love, for human friendship and an emotional connection. Um, and so God, first of all, put Saul in his path. And we read that Saul loved David greatly, we read. Not just loved David, he loved David greatly. But we know, of course, that this was a selfish love because uh, Saul's love to David was beneficial to him alone. And then um, after that, we see God putting uh, Abigail in his path. Um, but their, their relationship also uh, ended bitterly. And, and it started because Abigail saw that, must have seen that he was ruddy and good looking, as we read. And then we, we have the relationship with Jonathan. Um, and it points towards, but it falls short again, like all times do, it falls short of that perfect friend, the friend who sticks closer than a brother. Did you mean Michael, Megan? Michael instead of Abigail. I, I must have mixed up, mixed up my names. Yeah, Second Samuel 6, I think. Um, I think you were, were thinking of Michael, Megan. Um, so she loved him at first, and then by Second Samuel 6, she's looking out the window and she despises him. Yes, yes. So that's Abigail, isn't it? No, Michael. Um, verse 20. Uh, yeah. uh, yes, yes. Okay. Thanks, Greg. But, um, yeah, it, it is a, um, a striking example again because here, here is another relative of Saul, another descendant of Saul. And... I know I've said this before, but um, the statistics are that the majority of road traffic accidents happen within a couple of kilometres of home. Um, and it's the same case spiritually. The, um, the greatest damage often happens really close to home, really close to those that we're related to. And we have to be very, very careful. You know, there's, there's something else that's really good about the friendship between um, Jonathan and David, and that is that it's um, it's unselfish and it's unjealous. Now, Jonathan is not at all jealous of David. He can see that and because Jehovah is with David, David is definitely the one who's on the way to the throne, and he doesn't feel at all jealous about that. And, you know, there's nothing more tragic when you hear, for example, of, of two guys that are friends and, and, and one of those guys cheats on the other one with his wife. That, that must be the, the worst stab in the back that could ever happen to anyone because, because there's a friendship and the friendship um, is not unjealous. One is jealous of the other one because he's got a wife and he wishes he could have her. Um, friendship must never involve jealousy. Your friend does better than you at school, great. He's still your friend. If your friend um, is more successful in business, great. He's still your friend. Never allow jealousy to come in in any way because you know, that, that is something that will totally destroy a friendship.
we see that but with Saul, right? In chapter 18, verse 9, it says that he eyed uh, David from that day on. And it means just jealousy. And so it's, um, it's, this is one that is deep in our hearts, if we are honest, right? Because it's connected with our pride. So, and um, yeah, this is deep in us. It's just so deep, right? And uh, we have to overcome that in a, in a way that only the Lord can help us. Um, but what I, what I really want to say is uh, as well, it's interesting, uh, I found it interesting that um, Jonathan need a second assurance of David's love in chapter 20. When we look in chapter 20, verse 17, it says, Then Jonathan caused David to swear again by the love he had for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Question, why? You know, if, if Jonathan would have loved David and David loved Jonathan that much as we spoke about, why did he need that? And I think this is just that what we spoke about, right? The closer we are to, and just make the application out to the Lord Jesus, the closer we are to the Lord, the more we will feel and enjoy the love of the Lord, right? But the closer we are to our relatives or the world or whatever it might be, the less we will enjoy the love of the Lord. And this is, this is so important for us that, that it's needed a clear decision, right? We see it again and again. We come always to the point that we needed a clear decision for the Lord, for a spiritual, healthy friendship, for a spiritual, healthy marriage, for whatever it might be, spiritual, healthy, or relatives, world, pride, whatever it might be, right? So that can be the other choice. But yeah, the the more we want to feel or enjoy, I just say better enjoy, enjoy the love of the Lord, let us come close to him. The far the more distance that there is, the the, the dangerous it gets. There's a really good comparison on that spiritual health and spiritual vision point between Jonathan and Samuel. Um, just in case you think that Mike was being too harsh on Jonathan earlier. Um, no, Jonathan really did have that blind spot when it came to his dad. At the end, he um, he forsook David and he, he went back to the city. He let David go on and he went back to the city. And uh, he didn't know his father's character, but Samuel did. And we see in um, 1 Samuel chapter 16, when the Lord tells Samuel to go to Jesse, and um, because the Lord has provided himself a king from among his sons, Samuel's reply is, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. Samuel knows the character of Saul. Uh, because earlier in 1 Samuel chapter 14, we see there that Saul makes an oath. He says, I will kill anyone who sins, even if it's my son, Jonathan. He makes an oath, and even if my son, Jonathan, sins, I'll kill him with my own hand. Then um, Samuel makes this uh, proclamation, or he asks God this question in, in chapter 16. How can I go? Samuel will kill me. I know what he's like. Then um, in uh, chapter 18, we read that uh, Saul wanted to pin David to the wall twice, we read. Then we also read that he even tried to kill his own son in chapter 20. Then in chapter 22, we read that Saul orders 
at the death of 85 priests of the Lord. And then finally what happens? Saul kills himself. I don't remember who it was in the last session who said, um, how we are now is how we're always going to be. We have to build up good habits, not bad habits. And we see Saul's habits there, and that's the, exactly the way he went out. Um, and going back to the main point, it's the, the spiritual health and spiritual vision comes from nearness with the Lord. Samuel was near to the Lord, and he knew um, he was able to see who was right, who was right in God's eyes and who wasn't. Despite his shortcomings, of course, Samuel, he misjudged um, Jesse's sons. But he did have some sort of uh, spiritual health and some extent because he was closer to the Lord than Jonathan was. And Jonathan had that blind spot because he wasn't as close to the Lord as, as Samuel was. I guess there was something also that troubled Jonathan. Um, when when you look at um, chapter 20, where they're making a covenant with one another, and uh, Jonathan says to David, in effect, while I'm alive, um, you, you're looking after me, you're, you're taking care of me, but... Um, when I'm dead, please make sure to take care of my descendants. And it's almost as if Jonathan, you know, he's he's put two and two together. He said, David is definitely going to be on the throne. David is never going to kill my father. So my father, he's going to be killed by enemies. And I'm putting myself with my father and not with David. He's kind of drawn this conclusion in his mind. He's not saying quite so many words outwardly, but he's realizing I'm going to die when my father dies. And David, I, I want, when I'm dead, I want you to look after my relatives. You know, we, we know when things aren't right, don't we? When things aren't right in our friendships and we, we might feel it deeply in our hearts. We might not even think it through. Perhaps Jonathan didn't really think it through, but but somewhere deep down he knew that things weren't going to turn out well for him. And um, what a shame that he didn't change. He didn't change the course that he was on. He didn't then say, look, no, I'm, I want to go where you go, David. Even though it's tough now, I want to go where you go. Um, there are some some things that we have to really consider in our friendships consider too, especially in our relationship with the Lord and you know what we're willing to what we're willing to go through for him and with him instead of preserving ourselves and thinking that by preserving ourselves it might turn out better. And so maybe we should come to a close there. I was just thinking of, of one verse that maybe we can take away from um, what we've talked about with David and Jonathan. It's in uh, Hebrews 13, verse 13. It says, Therefore let us go forth to him without the camp, bearing his reproach. We belong to the Lord Jesus. Let's share with him in his rejection. Um, that's, That's what we ought to do as believers. Let's learn a lesson from Jonathan. Jonathan, who loved David, um, I find it difficult to speak negatively about Jonathan, even though I did, um, and even though that, that material is there for our learning. Um, Jonathan, I really find his his love for David a wonderful thing. It's something that sort of um, 
just connects with me every time I read it. But let's learn from the the lessons that are put forth in John. Let's go out to him, to Christ in his rejection, which is now in the world. He's rejected. But we go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach, be faithful to him, live for him, because we don't have an abiding city here. We know where we belong. And just pray that we would be following him faithfully.